This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, however it applies for your Thursday edition of Locked On Browns. We're going to get to some fun stuff here, and every time we start to hit these pinnacles of the draft season, of course, we have to have my favorite comedian, Brown's buddy, um, and we're going to do this a little earlier now because he's a little older in age, so we got to take it easier on him. He's, you know, those bedtimes <sighs> come early. Stephen Thomas, Jeff Lloyd, your local experts on the biggest stories, all things Brown-wise, for your daily delivery of all things to Oak Pound. I promise that is the only age joke I'll slip in because I guarantee you, even with your back, Steve, my body may feel worse, and you did hear me the other day. I do not know where my left hamstring currently is. Maybe it's in my body. <laughs> Maybe it's not. But yeah, Steve, I remember, what was probably, I remember what you said, though. I did, I, that's the thing. At our age, you, what did you heard it doing? Did, were you yawning or something like that? Is that how you pulled your hamstring? I ha- it's, a, it's a series of things. I wake up in the morning. It's <laughs> The pain's there. Then it kind of shifts to the hip. And then I kind of start walking bow-legged with one leg. I mean, you know. <laughs> I mean, I probably have the next virus that's going to take out everybody in the community. You know, I mean, right. I guess it'll be called, you know, the the Miller Lite pork roll uh, virus, something <laughs> of that nature. And it attacks from the, you know, muscle extremities of the uh, mid-leg and then somehow, you know, just zaps you and takes you out. For you young people and that there, maybe... this is what you have to look forward to. My And I'm not making this up. My last trip to the emergency room happened because I was taking off my socks. You hurt yourself doing the dumbest shit imaginable. So that's what you have to look forward to, young people. Welcome to middle age. <laughs> and for any of our friends who are laughing at this and, you know, oh, yeah, it's not going to happen to me. If you have daughters, guess what? It's only going to accelerate the process. Mm-hmm. Your body's <laughs> pain just from the mental stress of dealing with more than one woman <laughs> in your life. But obviously, Stephen, combine. And I, I got to admit, the whole, the whole it was just weird with it being in prime time the way it weird was. Weird year. Um, Oh, and then, of course, the workouts as well. Um, And even though, like, time Twitter, the timeline wasn't buzzing like it was. Like, obviously, you know, for the massive offensive tackle haul on Friday, which was still right around 5 o'clock when that all started popping, that had some buzz to it. But there really, it just didn't seem like it. And it was weird sitting down. And the cool thing about the combine was everything's done at 4 o'clock. You're done with everything by 6. And I still believe there were some on Friday night and Saturday night couldn't look at their wives or significant others and say, no, 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 babe. There's guys working out in shorts and t-shirts <laughs> yeah. until 11. So um, I'm not going out with you and the crew. You know, right. sorry, that, that, that wasn't happening, guys. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm, even I'm, Pete. Go ahead. I'm going to go watch uh, young guys in tight pants do jumping jacks in a in a, in a, in a dome. So, uh, yeah, you go out on margaritas by yourself. Yeah, that didn't happen. Yeah. It was yeah, strange. Yeah, exactly. And then – and then, like you were getting, I think you were getting ready to to launch into this. The workouts themselves, and and I was glad because you and I talked on day one because when when the wide receiver their cone and shuttle and all the agility, everybody went, "Whoa, what the hell?" Because they were just awful. And but you and I talked. We were like, "Wow, I wonder if the change in the time and the schedule and all." That. And then as it, the week wore on, it was every position group had just just terrible agility times and then you hear from you know coaches and and you know ben albright and the other people who know they're like yeah everybody hates it they're all saying that it definitely affected it and then i don't know if you heard uh, uh duke manyweather the other day yep. on uh, on hawaii mike's pod uh he basically said he took it even a step further he's like these guys they got no warm-ups for some drills and then they sat around for three or four hours and then they did 
those crazy new drills where they were laying on their back and, you know, I mean, where the whole point of it was to tire them out. I mean, the coach that was running it was literally trying to get them to quit and then they go do their agility drills. So it's, it was such a weird year all around from the timing aspect that you said it was weird having it on later in the day. Um, and then we basically, I mean, you hate to say this about data, but you basically have to throw out all of the, or at least 90% of the agility drills, a guy here or there did well with it. And you got to wait for the pro days and pro day times are notoriously, you know, guy friendly, friendly player friendly. So <laughs> it's going to be really weird for the guys who lean more on data, uh, than some others this year. And uh, I, I, but, but the ratings, the TV ratings, which was the whole reason they did it, the NFL got what they wanted. So my suggestion to, you know, you and me and people that like the draft and next year's crop of players and the agents and everybody is get used to it, figure it out. Cause I can't see it going away because the almighty dollar is going to drive it. And if they can do it in prime time, especially if it's in Los Angeles or Vegas or wherever they move it to, they're going to do it because that's business. And there was actually somebody said, and then said, look, when this in two years, when it's in LA and these four o'clock workouts are actually starting at one o'clock Eastern, it'll kind of balance itself the way out, uh, whatever. And, you know, we all know everything is for the sake of the buck. But the other thing is though, is now all these guys, and even like Duke Mayweather, who's got all these guys now have one year under their belt. And now they can say, all right, this is what we're going to do differently right. that we didn't do. And, you know, some of the guys, you know, some people I talked to agent-wise and trainer-wise was for years, it was, you know, what's your caffeine of choice in the morning? Here is your souped-up shake. Go out there, bust out the greatest workout of your life because any workout after this isn't going to matter. Right. Um, you know, and we had talked about this nutrition. There's so many of these other things. How were you going to listen to be the you know, opportunity to work out, which at 9 o'clock at night, because who does that? Right, <laughs> nine o'clock. I mean, well, I mean, us. I mean, nine o'clock at night. We're making sure the pillows are propped up and the beds ready to roll. But uh, I'm not talking about having the best performance of my life. Maybe once every <laughs> thirty days or so, and that's rarity as itself. Um, that one's actually still up in the you know the attic, so to speak, as far as those things go. But Stephen, <laughs> the first thing and the best part about a Friday night was, and what we've been chirping on, and what we really had a feeling on, and it was even better than we anticipated. Is the Browns have not had a tackle significant in two seasons guess what and it goes to um you know and i know you you always love the you know the reference uh you know oh good lord rain you know from rain man lots and lots of them there are lots and lots and lots of offensive tackles and everybody wants to yell at me for going at 10 and 41 that's fine you might even be able to skip down you can still maybe get a jack driscoll in the third or fourth round lots and lots of them yeah, that's the brilliant part of it. And, you know, I you wouldn't have to talk me into going tackle at 10 and 41. I was doing that a couple of months ago and getting screamed at. And I, But if you're going to ask me what I think they'll do, I unless they have a great trade free agency season, I think it's unlikely. But it's certainly something that should be on the table. But you're absolutely right. I mean, the most important thing, I think, anyway, was that the top four, top five, if you want to talk, if you want to throw, uh, um, uh, Josh Jones into the mix at 10. They did exactly what we thought they were going to do. Uh, actually, they did a lot more. Um, Jedrick Wills mm-hmm. and Andrew Thomas had it, it, it reminded it reminds me kind of like two years ago when Nick Chubb had just a spectacular combine, but nobody talked about it because Saquon Barkley 
had an all-time combine. That's kind of what happened with these top four tackles. Jedrick Wills and Andrew Thomas, if you look at their numbers historically, freaking great combines, really, really good. But nobody's really talking about them because Wirfs and Becton just went hog wild. I mean, it was what Wirfs did was just bananas. I think I saw uh, um, our our friend uh, Math Bomb Kent Platt. Uh, he yep. ran Wirfs as a tight end, and he still tested in like the ninety third percentile or something. I mean, it was just third, third best, third most athletic tight end in this class at three hundred and twenty pounds. <laughs> that's ins- I mean, that's just insanity, uh, you know. And and so. You look at and Josh Jones had a good combine too. He did nothing to hurt himself. Uh, you know, Austin Jackson, the same thing, did really nothing to hurt himself. You know, so you, you look at what happened despite what happened earlier today. And now, you know, there's other teams that are in the mix potentially for a tackle in front of us. I just don't see any realistic way that it falls that at least one, probably two of these guys are sitting there at 10. I just. I don't see it, you know, and, and if it's not for some reason, then you can move down a few spots and grab Josh Jones at 14, 15, you know, 17, whatever, somewhere in that range. And now we've got a new player in the mix, which I'm sure we're going to get to in Ezra Cleveland being talked about as a day one talent. Um, there's just so many guys. And, and the thing I kept going back to was as, as impressive as this tackle class was in Indianapolis, Two of the the bigger names in Lucas Nyang and 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 uh, Prince Tegawanogo, they didn't even do anything. They weren't even there. I mean, well, I mean, they were there, but they weren't on the field doing the workouts. So if those two guys had been completely healthy, as athletic as they both are, it could have been even more impressive. But I mean, you look at, at what guys like Isaiah Wilson did, and Matthew Pert had a good one, and um, um, Sadiq Charles had a pretty good one for what yep. he is. I mean, there's just so many guys that could be at 41 or 74 that if they decide, and who knows, but if they decide they want two rookies plus Kendall Lamb plus another, you know, mid to lower level veteran there to back them up, they can do that. And it, and it's and it's a very realistic and easily arguable, you know, uh, a position to take for them. It's it's a it's probably the first time. Well, you know what? I won't say that. This is the second time in recent memory that need has matched up perfectly with an overabundance of supply, the other one being the quarterback class two years ago. But this just doesn't happen for the Browns. Uh, you know, they, they need a, you know, a linebacker. There's just nobody in the linebacker class. That's the way it always has been. So this is just fortuitous on a level that un, un, previously unseen here on the North Shore. Yeah, and for and you with the naysayers and the oh, well, you're going to get the fourth best tackle at 10, possibly. Any given year, any one of these guys could have been a top tackle in a class. Exactly. No doubt about it. And Thomas, it was good for him. And I, I think it was good because Thomas all of a sudden just seemed to be kind of getting, like, crapped on for no reason whatsoever because yep. we hadn't seen hide nor hair of the kid for two months. I mean, just off training, getting ready for this all. Nothing. Didn't hear anything from him. And all of a sudden, people dropping him, dropping him, dropping him. And, you know, whatever. If Even still, if he were to go 15 doesn't still mean he can't be a dominant left tackle. Um, and well, I do and that's agree. the thing about it, too. If I can jump in real quick, people mm-hmm. are they're, they're really, really focusing on, are you getting third best tackle, the fourth? I don't want the fourth best tackle. Okay, yeah, like one, like you said, they could they would be OT1 in a lot of years. But two, I don't care if it's the seventh best tackle if he's one of the ten best players in, in the draft. That's – who cares? I mean, if it's a freaky year that – 
you know, let, and this is, I'm going to be, a, use a very extreme example, but if, you know, your top nine guys are all tackles on all of the boards everywhere and you get the eighth best one, does that mean you don't want him at pick eight or pick 10 because he's the eighth best? Does he justify the value at the pick? That's the only thing that matters. I don't care at 41. If let's say they go safety there, if you're getting the fifth best safety, but you think he's worth the 41st pick, I don't care that he's the fifth best safety. I, it, it makes no difference to me. Are they justified at the value at the pick where you're taking him? That is that matters a thousand times more than whether they're tackle one, tackle three, wide receiver seven, whatever. That that's that's stuff for us to argue about on Twitter for months at a time. That that doesn't matter when you go to you know these teams when they sit in their war rooms. They have these guys placed at values, and if they they have a need that matches the value, they take them. It's as simple as that. And to caveat and jump off of your point of, you know, 2018 class, the quote on, if you're going to look at it this way, the fifth best quarterback of the 2018 class exactly. was just your NFL MVP. Exactly. So, so, I mean, look, there's a chance they could all be really good. Exactly. You know, that's, and that's the point. So if they're really good and they fit what you're looking for, uh, you go ahead and jump on it. We're going to yep. get to, obviously, the one who jumped maybe late into the party here and probably does fit really well to what the Browns are looking at. Um, your Google, uh, the Google news pieces. If you got a Google home, um, you play the latest Cleveland Browns news. You'll get a one minute segment, five minute segments from me, more straight factual stuff. Obviously we save, you know, the nooks and crannies here for the big show, but straight stuff. Obviously yesterday we got to a uh, possible, you know, going down the free agent quarterback list as it looks like they want to bring a veteran in the mix, <clears throat> things of that nature. So go ahead. Uh, if you got a Google home, ask it to play the leaders. Latest Cleveland Browns news, and you will get more of me in your life, good or bad. <laughs> now, and this is one, Stephen, I, you know, I, we probably should have listened more. And, you know, whether it's a guy like Tony Pauline, and I did have some agents, and, you know, Ezra Cleveland, it's a guy nobody's talking enough about. Obviously, they knew the athletic numbers. Um, and then there's the, oh, well, he needs to be cleaned up. Everybody needs some cleaning up of course for god's sakes and you know getting coming from boise state you know it's obviously not sec country of course he's going to need some cleaning up that's it just so happens really well that you brought in a guy like bill callahan but ezra cleveland he was one that really jumped into the fray here um again i mean there's probably easily 10 to 12 viable options which makes me think it might not have to be 10 and 41. It could be 10 and 74. If you know, you like some combination of lamb and somebody else. And right. who's to say Drew Forbes doesn't change their mind here. And maybe he has more of a faith as far as being a tackle due to his athleticism and the system that they're running here. But, you know, Cleveland and now, and the list just got longer. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, if they go out and they sign a Joe Haig or something like that, you know, I, who knows, but yeah, 74, even 90 depending on what you're looking for. If you're looking for somebody to play right away, or if you, you know, you, you, you can give them a year or two. Ezra Cleveland is a guy we talked about him briefly in like September because Dane Brugler brought him up. Uh, Dane actually had him listed as a guard uh, back then. I remember that. And we looked at him and talked to him and I'm, yeah, he's got some nice traits. He's athletic. He's uh, but I thought that he was a day two uh, guy later day two, as, as it comes uh, you know, through the, 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 uh, the season here, I, I like him quite a bit. And, and when you say what I'm about to say, 
people often immediately jump to, oh, why don't you like him? I do. I like him quite a bit. I still think he's an early day two guy. I just, I went back and I watched again after the, uh, after the combine. And I know people are talking about him in the mid teens, not only day one, but like, you know, potentially upper half of day one. I'm, I'm sorry. I just don't, I don't see that in this class. Uh, now what they end up doing, I have no idea, but for me, he would be more of a viable option at 41 in my mind. And that's just, that's just my opinion. It might not be popular at the moment, but that's what I see. If they traded down, uh, and took him in the teens with any of these other five guys that we've been talking about still on the board, I would probably quibble with it some. And then I'd root for the guy to prove me wrong. But that's where I don't know. If you've gone back and watched since the Combine, I still think 41 would be a better option for him. It does not appear at the time that he will last that long. But like you've been saying, we've got so many other options. I, I just I can't see 10 or 15 or 18 with the Dolphins trading up or whatever that kind of stuff. I just... It just doesn't pop off the screen to me like that. I think the dream scenario for him, for the Browns, would be, and this would have to be probably 10 and 41, is if you can get worse at 10. Mm -hmm. And you can say, all right, we think he could maybe play left tackle, but if we can keep him at right tackle, that's fantastic. That brings a guy like, in my opinion, Cleveland into play at 41. And with Lamb and a veteran here, maybe he's not relied upon day one. If he does, that's fantastic. It's all the more better. Um, but it, it allows you to not have to switch up worfs and for everybody. And I am not trying to be a jerk about this by any means whatsoever. Oh, well, he can play that side. He can play this side. Here's what I'm going to tell you to do. If you are a right-handed person, spend the next day being a left-handed person. Do right. all your texting with your left hand. Pick up a pen, a pencil, whatever. How you handle your keyboard. Do it the opposite way. If you're a righty. If you're a lefty, do it as a righty. You have it is a lot more difficult than you would think. You get in the shower tonight, you're a righty. Wash your hair with your left hand. Let me just understand. And then also, but keep in mind, there's going to be a guy coming 270 pounds who runs a four-five, <laughs> right? <laughs> and can juke left or right, spin on you, or just flat out knock you the hell over. So keep all of that in mind. It is not as easy as you guys think. Okay, it's just just. Yeah. Okay. One caveat I would say with Worfs, and I, you know, I'm on your side. I've tweeted about it today. It's not people just think you can just do it. Like, oh, like, I saw. Like so I figured we should get that out there. But with Worfs, he has proven that he can play over there. He's played over there. I think he started four games this year and a few yes. last year, if I'm remembering right. So I would say I, I wouldn't be adamantly opposed to it with Worfs as I would with you know, other people who have only played on one side their entire life because he has proven that he has done it. And that flexibility might help you later on. You know, you don't have to lock yourself into a left tackle or a right tackle at 41 or 74 if if you think he can switch sides. But all things being equal, I'm totally with you. He's Most of his tape is at right tackle. He seems dominant at right tackle. I would leave him there if it is at all possible. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, with that. And this is part of... Now here with, which, with the news that came out Saturday night, uh, Saturday night, obviously where it doesn't look like the Joe Schobert thing is going well as of now, which I can't stand, which I don't get. And if they think that all of a sudden they're going to be a hot commodity in free agency, that's fine. Prove it to me because I still believe this is a homegrown franchise where your players, if they are good, they need to be kept around, especially if they want to stay. 
if they want to stay really right. and they've been good, that's probably pretty key. Um, but now this is where maybe the offensive tackle class has become advantageous to the situation um, because I'm not ready to run out there. And look, if you can sign another linebacker either equal to Joe or better than Joe, okay, let me see it. But I, I'm not ready to run with Sione Takitaki and Mac Wilson and whatever the other fringe type of linebackers are. Um, the question would be between Queen, Murray, obviously Isaiah Simmons, whatever you want to call him. Thought, folks, he's not going to be there at 10. So most likely he's not going to be there at 41 and he doesn't play left tackle. Um, this opens up the possibility where if you had a Murray or a Queen at 41 and Queen – I like him and the people with, well, he didn't start the first four games. Well, that doesn't help his case for me at all. If he he didn't start the first four games, that definitely brings more issues than it does, you know, answers, so to speak. Murray, I do love, but the linebacking class, they put up a really, really nice set of workouts. And, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of these good athletic guys on day three, and at least they can run and chase, because this is pretty much the name of the game at a linebacking, the linebacker position in 2020. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking, you're talking about the linebacker class in free agency. I mean, uh, I don't see anybody out there better than Joe that's going to cost less. I mean, if you're going to pay, unless, you know, if they, we don't know their evaluations. Maybe they think Corey Littleton or Blake Martinez are, you know, five steps better than Joe. I, I don't know. And if that's the case and they're willing to pay them, you know, 11, 12, 13, whatever it's going to be then, you know, so be it if they think they're upgrading. But if they think they're all basically equal and you think you're, anybody out there thinks you're going to get a Corey Littleton or, or Blake Martinez for significantly less than what, you know, the reported $10 million barrier, you're fooling yourself. There's just not a lot Sounds out Sounds like now, a hometown discount number to me. But go ahead. Right. But, but now, as we just saw here, what, half an hour ago, there are a couple of, uh, you know, uh, fire sales going on uh, around the league. And if you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars linebacking core or the uh, Carolina Panthers linebacking core, and you see somebody that you just love and you can swing a trade for them in a fire sale mode, then that changes the equation. Personally, I don't see it, but uh, again, we don't know their evals. There's always a few of these shocking trades that come out of nowhere. Maybe they've got one of those in their back pocket. If you're looking at the draft, I mean, yeah, uh, Murray and, and Queen, uh, they're they are really good players. I think it's unrealistic, though. I think you're looking more in the bucket that includes our guy, Jordan Brooks, who we have been yep. salivating over since about September. Uh, Logan Wilson out of Wyoming, who I know is one of Pete's guys, is really good. He's probably mm-hmm. in that 74 range. Um, if If you can get past the off-field stuff and the smaller sample size, Willie Gay is – the on-field talent is undeniable. I mean, you got to at least take a look. Um, Troy Dye is a guy I like quite a bit, uh, a little bit further down, probably more in the 90 pick range in that area. Um, Evan Weaver tested not better than we all thought he was going to. Yeah, he, he shut everybody up. Great numbers. We all thought he was going to be a, you know, old school, big 10, slow, you know, linebacker guy and wouldn't be, but, but he tested pretty damn well. So uh, he's another guy, but I think he's also in that 74 or 90 range and something. If you're looking linebacker, that is the bucket in my head, most likely uh, uh, to, to be looking uh, as far as the draft goes. Now, if you want to drop down a little further, you're talking Michael Walker and, and those kind of guys. Uh, I love those guys, but those are day three flyers really you know i mean anything from the fifth round on that you get immediate 
you know, contribution, regular contributions for anywhere other than special teams is a bonus. So um, it, it's going to be interesting. And we don't know, like you said, maybe they love Kirko. We don't know. Maybe this regime loves Kirko and they're going to actually keep him around. We've all had him gone in our heads since he got hurt. Maybe they're going to keep him around. Maybe they think Taki Taki and Wilson are the guys. Maybe they love Willie Harvey. I mean, we don't know. Um, but as it stands right now, I'm with you. I'm if Joe walks out the door, I am rather nervous about that line about that second level. Um, and, and for me, it's in and like I try to preach, it's, it's not just the play and the fact he's your leading tackle over the last three years. Um, and we've talked about this many times. There's a lot of times where it's you know a second or two before the snap, and you see defensive players looking at Joe like, I hope I'm in the right place. Teacher, right. am I doing this correctly? Right. You know, and you know, the quiet, <laughs> unsung leader. Um, you know, for me, it's more about for me, it should be extending the man and slapping a goddamn C on his chest, you know, not nickel and a diamond. Um, and one more for me is is uh is Jacob Phillips out of LSU. Sure. Up until the postseason started, Jacob Phillips was the better, more productive linebacker. Patrick Queen got hot. Jacob Phillips forgot about you know, got forgot about, did all of the attesting, ran low four sixes, jumps were really good. Um, production was there over his entire career at LSU, which is mm-hmm. always an interesting one. Uh, one more we're going to get to here with Steven, obviously the next most important draft position, uh, Belize and style.etsy.com uh, at uh, Jen Cisco. Uh, I talked about it last night. Um, she's helping, uh, you know, does great work with the apparel. She's, uh, you know, helping out the girls over at That's What B Said, with, you know, with their stuff. Just a great job. Um, reasonably priced, not too expensive. And I actually had a talk with her the other day. And, you know, some people, oh, you should charge more. Um, no, you know, the old uh, Macklemore song, it's $40 for a T-shirt. No, no, keep it sensible. Uh, best way to move product is uh, make your customers happy with quality and price. Keep it going. Bleasinstyle.etsy.com. Jen's fabulous. Does Fantastic job. If you're looking for something, looking for gear and a lot, you know, there are some that are just for women, um, obviously some for men too. So you have both avenues there. Jen does a fantastic job. Kicks us over to the safety position and thing with Grant Delpit, because Grant Delpit right now, I think a lot of this is kind of put into his lap. He goes in and the warts he's kind of taken over this season, and there's no way he can fix tackling now. You just can't you, – you, you can't do it. He nails his workout. Maybe he goes right back to being safety number one. Overall, like everybody feels like he you know, could have been. Xavier McKinney, the 464, obviously did grant to help with some favors. And just a fun player, and you love a legacy player, and when you watch a legacy player on film – you want to be able to pick him out within two minutes, and that's certainly the case with Antoine Winfield Jr. The five nine and change shouldn't shock anybody, guys. You actually watch him; <laughs> he does not look like the biggest guy in the field. Running in the four fours, the jump offset the size disadvantages. Then you put in the intelligence factor, <clears throat> and uh, Ferrar with the tweet the other day. You know, Antoine Winfield can't be safety number one, and the picture of Earl Thomas giving the bird in his last action with the Seattle Seahawks. You don't have to be, you know, the biggest safety. Sometimes it doesn't hurt to be the smartest safety. But the safety class, and two things with it, you know, Trey Boston, again, Steve, we do this every offseason. Seems to be a popular <laughs> Um, Obviously, Anthony Harris, this would be the one. And, and this wouldn't show so much that people are coming to you because you have so much relationship with him. If you can get one of those, two of those guys, that's fantastic. But 
Morgan Burnett, who's coming back off an Achilles, is on your roster. And Sheldrick Redwine is on your roster at safety. That's it. JT that, Hassel. But again, but who knows where JT will be Exactly. here. I mean, he could just be more of a special team or linebacker. Who knows? But yeah, yeah, it's it, it's like it's time to go to it's time to go to Sam's Club because that cupboard is empty. Yeah, I mean, you still you got Burris in the mix too, and we don't know what they're going to do with Eric Murray. There's a lot of questions. There's some guys that showed some stuff, some flashes last year, but yeah, I think one in the draft and one in free agency uh, would would make me very happy. Um, you mentioned Anthony Harris, obviously, and Trey Boston. Anthony Harris, you know, obviously is going to be the biggest name. Um, but there's some other one. I mean, Jimmy Ward uh, moved to free safety and had the season of his life last year in in Woods's defense, and he's got a he's got a lengthy injury history. But if they think that he's past that, I mean, last year he he can he showed he can patrol the back end like Ron Jeremy, and that's a guy that you know, I mean, maybe the um, uh, I, that one was just for you. Um, <laughs> maybe the the injury history tamps down his price, uh, you know, a million or two. I don't know. I'm just saying that that's another, uh, ha ha Clinton Dix is out there. Had a really good year. Uh, Carl Joseph is out there. I know your guy Von Bell is still out there. Um, there are options uh, at, and this is a point where I want to say something because the next few weeks are going to be dominated by free agency news. There are the top of the top big names every single year. And Brown's Twitter has this habit of saying, those are the only four guys that I want. You know, whoever the <laughs> biggest names are. And if you don't get them, then they start screaming about how it's a failure. You should have got this. You should, you know, why didn't you spend the money for this? If you look back historically, some of those guys justify their bloated free agency contracts because the, the top of the top always get more than they probably should because they're the top of the top at the moment. But if you look back historically, the best free agent signings, for the most part, end up being those second tier guys, you know, the second wave or even later than that, the guys whose market value matches their contract, you know. So just because they don't if if they don't get, say, Anthony Harris or Javon Hargrave or, you know, whoever your top guy is that you want, you know, just because they don't get him doesn't mean it's a failure. There are a lot of other really good players out there that you got Shelby Harris out there, you know, Andrew Billings or Malik Collins from Dale Dallas. If you're looking at the interior defensive line, if you're looking at guys from San Francisco, the woods played with uh, Ronald Blair was having a, a, a stellar year before he got hurt last year. So if his medicals check out, you could probably get him line him up across from, uh, from the opposite end from miles at edge and have a steal because his value is going to be way down. So, just to keep that in mind, you know, just because they don't sign the best of the best in the first five minutes of free agency this year, it's not a failure. They can there's they can easily and and quite affordably fill a lot of their needs in the second wave. So I'm not going to freak out about it this year. But to, you know, turning back to the the class that you were talking about, Delpit is you know the, the evals are all over the place. But I think I still think he ends up going day one. I just think he's too much of an athlete. McKinney, yep. the the four six four, he pulled up at about the twenty five yard mark. So I'm the four six four doesn't match the tape. I'm sorry, it just doesn't. I would if 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 that ends up causing X to fall to forty one, I would be tickled. I'm completely fine if if him and Winfield and I know you and Pete aren't as big on Ashton Davis as I am, but if they're all sitting there at forty one. They could take any one of those three, and and I think it's a, a I think it's a win. 
you know, um, and then you've got the two small school guys. You got Jeremy Chin and Kyle Duger, who just destroyed Indianapolis and they're rising up boards, but they're more project guys. I think, you know, um, I would be more, they'd probably be gone by then, but I would personally in the Brown situation be more comfortable taking them at around 74 ish. Um, and then, you know, you see, you go a little bit further down the safety class. You still got brand. Nobody's talking about Brandon Jones anymore. Our guy, Antoine Brooks, you know, yep. he's, He's still out there, you know, as a closer to the line guy. You got Terrell Burgess, who's listed at safety, but he's really more of a slot that you can get a little further down. Um, there's a, there's a lot of guys in this class at value that you could really could really help your team if you don't land one of your big names at 41. Um, so there are options, you know. And, and my guess right now is they get one of the free agent guys. Um, whether it be Jimmy Ward or Anthony Harris, I really think they're going to go try to go big at safety. I really do think that. And then that means 41 or 74 is easily justifiable as another pick. So 41, like I said, you're looking at Winfield, Ashton Davis, 74. You could easily talk me into Jeremy Chin or Kyle Duger, and I'm, boom, we're done, I think, for the next few years with safety, finally. I think part of this is also going to be how they view Sheldrick Redwine. Um, sure. He's athletic enough to play in the back end. Um, showed some signs where he could play line, line of scrimmage. I, I'm not saying they're going to count on him to be a starter, but it's going to be maybe the veteran to play, if it's Ward or Harris, to play free safety. And then it's going to be someone around the box to compete with Sheldrick Redwine, who hopefully has enough athletic ability to go back. It's it, It's going to be... It's going to be interesting what they view of Sheldrick Redwine, and obviously the draft will tell us that. We're not going to know any other way. They're not going to spill their beans. Sure. Um, uh, as everybody, you know, well, if this, this you know, look, we, we don't know nothing what they think of this roster. Obviously, you know, so just stop with that. You know, time will tell and time will I mean, show you us. Could, you could even make the case that if they go out and get one of the big free safeties, you know, in free agency, that you could take Jordan Brooks add him to the current linebacker room. And he does a lot of sort of box safety hybrid type things, you know, so you could maybe work him into that. Some of that, you know, the responsibilities of that position for the first year and just let him use his natural athleticism because he drops pretty well. So, you know, if, if they can land, we've said this for months, if they can land a, a, a solid interior defensive lineman, and a, a starting free safety in free agency, plus, you know, other stuff. I'm not saying those are the only things, but if they can grab those two, it really opens up a lot of possibilities so that you don't have to try to force anything on day two. And this class sets up pretty nice if they can do that. So I would expect those two positions to be much of their main thrust in the early parts of, of free agency. And the thing is, is in with a new regime, and with a first-time general manager and a first-time head coach, you you got to look to what you know and guys who know you because that's the easiest sell job. Sure. You know, ha-ha Clinton Dix, that's a great name, sure. But, you know, where's the sell job? And the other thing is is the destination that they're coming to. I'm not dissident, but, I mean, this is a franchise that does not have a history of winning. Um, January, Until they change it, they're still the Browns, man. That's exactly. just the way and, it is. Um, we all have to. In January, the locker room is empty. That's the way it works. And, you know, and money is fine. Yes. And every this is the part that, you know, and was, well, why are they coming to Cleveland? Which I tell some of these people, oh, because of money. Guess what? If they can get the same money or a slight bit less elsewhere, and they're going to make money by playing playoff games, or they're going to be playing in playoff games, 
that is still a lure as well. Money's great, but these guys do want to be able to play in January. Steve, we got a couple minutes left here. Anything Browns-wise, new regime, free agency on the rise. I think there's new uniforms, and I believe there's a petition. Guys, you're <laughs> going to know the new uniforms before the draft, okay? They're not going to just spring it. It's not going to be like June 6th, and they're like, oh, let's just roll out the new uniforms today so everybody knows. <sighs> you're going to get them. It's the whole thing, the lead-up to the draft, the schedule, the teams with the new uniforms. They're going to get released. They're going to come. They're not going to give them to you in the middle of March. It's not going to happen. You're going to get that within a week, two weeks of the draft, right around the schedule. Be patient. Guess what? There's going to be a lot of brown and orange. That's what I can tell you. Yeah, and you know, I we've talked about this. I, you know, I, yeah, I'd love for him to go back to the more traditional stuff that I grew up with. But in in the end, I don't care. Just win. Wear, you know, wear a, a post office uniform for all I care. I I couldn't care less. Just go. The old the white champion uh, shorts and a white T-shirt. I don't give a crap. Just play a game exactly. in January. Yeah, <laughs> wear wear the mesh tearaways like the Mean Machine. You know, I, I who cares? <laughs> you know, win some freaking ball games. You know, um, I, I I don't care about it. Can we? I'm sorry. Can we switch gears here for this last couple of minutes? Something that we haven't talked about that's going to have a huge effect on this whole thing. We're still waiting for the vote on the CBA. We because it seems like there's a lot of stuff lined up in the hopper and they're waiting to see which way that vote goes before they start either signing guys or jettisoning guys or making trades or, you know, extending people and all that kind of stuff. It's got to be soon. You would think that because the the tag period ends in like eight days or something. I think it's the 12th. They have to know. And as it stands right now, they can use two tags. Now, if the new CBA comes in and they can only use one, what's going to happen if they've already tagged two people? So there's a lot of stuff on hold. Um, and I, I I don't know what you think about it, but from what I'm hearing from the players, I'm starting to lean that this is not going to be approved, which means that we could have the Wild West again this year. It's certainly possible, and we're short on time. Um, check out yeah, the yeah, JT yeah. Shredder tweet, guys. Check that out. Yep. Uh, at Browns Mock Draft, um, the show itself at Locked On Browns, me at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd, your daily delivery of all things dog pound LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.